don't know this, then you're behind the times. The only metric that matters is convenience. The rules apply to you. Suddenly you're an advertiser. It's July 27th and time for your Social and Six update. As always, we're bringing you the six most important news stories from the ever-changing landscape. To fill you in on the news you might have missed and to give you plenty to talk about in our Facebook group. So without further ado, let's get started. Have you found that no matter what you share on Facebook, you can't even get 100 likes? First up, Facebook is testing a pages redesign without likes. Yeah, it's no secret that both Facebook and Instagram are trying to phase out likes more and more, but so far these tests have been limited to select territories and the main feed. However, Facebook is making progress and is now testing a redesigned version of the pages interface. So any business you follow or groups, they'll soon have no option to like the page and won't include a like count whatsoever. Now, part of the reason for the change is to make pages more slick and easy to use. With so much unnecessary information, they have become a little messy over time. We put out the question on our social channels and the feedback has been positive and in favour of the new design. Now, in addition to this, Facebook is going to give more real estate to a page's follow account, which it has hinted is a truer way to assess a page's actual reach. In addition, the About section will be hidden behind a drop-down menu with just a bio present. So you're probably wondering why Facebook is considering removing likes, and the truth is both campaigners and platforms feel there has been an over-reliance on likes. When a user receives a like, it provides a hit of dopamine, and that can be addictive and counterproductive to mental health. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you may remember our strategy director, Mike Blake Crawford, previously making the point that Facebook will only get rid of likes if it has no impact on the company's bottom line. So given this latest development, it's probably safe to say that likes will be gone within the next several years. I'm a savage. Next up, Instagram Reels gets a US launch date. As we know, Instagram began testing Reels last November. It was expanded to France and Germany last month and made its way to India earlier this month. But Instagram has now confirmed that Reels will arrive in America in early August, much sooner than most of us had anticipated. On top of that news, Facebook also reported it plans to launch Reels in over 50 countries in a matter of weeks. They are obviously trying to move fast on this because TikTok is showing no signs of slowing down and every moment that passes decreases the likeliness that Facebook will be able to compete. I'd certainly hate to be on Facebook's product design team right now. Now, there is a lot of talk about Reels competing with TikTok, but there are a few factors at play that will ultimately decide whether or not it takes. So unlike TikTok, Reels doesn't offer an endless scrollable feed. It also doesn't get a dedicated tab. People can only browse Reels in the Explore tab at the moment, which is an area that not everybody uses religiously. Now, I'll be interested to see if this follows in the footsteps of stories, becoming a smash success, or if it follows IGTV and becomes a slow burner, or if it completely flops like Lasso did. Now, until recently, my bet would have been that Reels will be used mostly by millennials who don't have TikTok, as TikTok's audience is typically younger, but that becomes less the case every single day. And even millennials are jumping on TikTok, millennials and older, to see what all the fuss is about and then getting too addicted to leave. Instagram also isn't the only one who wants to get in on TikTok's popularity, though. Google-owned YouTube is reportedly working on their own TikTok rival called Shorts, which will be introduced by the end of this year. I'd say, though, that the success of Shorts is even less likely than the success of Reels if YouTube's attempt at stories is anything to go by. Money, money, money. Next up, Snapchat and Twitter have posted their Q2 earnings. Yes, it's the end of the financial quarter and with that, another set of results from social media's biggest platforms. Now, if you've followed social media for as long as even I have, you'll know that each quarter holds clues and key insights into not just each platform, but also how audiences and advertisers are behaving. 
has obviously been unlike any other quarter due to the current pandemic, and that's impacted Snapchat and Twitter in opposite ways. Starting with Snapchat, the platform beat Wall Street's revenue estimate of $441.6 million by $12.6 million, but stocks in the company fell by around 6%. The reason is Snapchat fell short on user numbers. Before announcing its Q2 results, analysts expected Snapchat to post user numbers of over 239.1 million daily active users, but Snapchat's actual total was 238 million. Now, the opposite has been the case with Twitter, which saw monetizable daily active users reach 186 million versus estimates of 172.8 million. However, revenue fell short at $683 million versus estimates of $707 million. In other words, Twitter's revenue is down 23% year on year. What does this tell us? In a nutshell, Snapchat's ad model is proving more effective than Twitter's right now, but we have to take into account the current context of COVID-19, which has been a massive disruptor. As for users, Snapchat has a chance to remedy any underwhelming performances here with Minis, which are the new third-party mini apps it launched last week. Now we'll break there to take a question from the Social Minds Facebook group. Channon asks, do you have any recommendations for getting across a serious message on TikTok? For example, from an NGO using a lighthearted viral trend. Thanks, Shannon, for your question. So the first thing I'd say is that TikTok thrives on relatable content. You know, like any other platform, the main goal is to strike a chord with your audience by speaking their language. And serious topics can be relatable too. So things like climate change, for example. Now, before you look to create anything, I'd start by browsing the platform, spend some time scrolling the For You page, and you'll get an idea of what's trending. You'll notice that the same meme formats using the same sound will pop up again and again, but each user has changed the messaging to get their point or joke across. You then need to see how your message would fit into that format. So, for example, there is a trend happening right now with Ariana Grande's song Successful, which people are using to share things that they're in denial about. Now, while this is a funny format, people are using it to talk about things like mental health, toxic relationships, student debt, and even something like climate change would work here. So using climate change as the example, you could create a TikTok that says something like me saving the planet by using biodegradable makeup wipes and plastic free packaging for the successful half of the video. And then for the denial half of the video, have something like me ordering an eight ounce steak, knowing that animal agriculture contributes to 20% of the world's carbon emissions. Now, that way you get some real information in there and suggestions on how to improve your contribution to fighting climate change or deliver it in an entertaining format that TikTok users are familiar with and can relate to. It's important to note, though, that some serious topics might not be appropriate to put into a funny format. And that really depends on the timing of the issues. So something like Black Lives Matter, for example, is too fresh and too current that it might not be wise to turn this into a funny meme, even if you do have an important message to spread. That being said, TikTok is far more forgiving with things like that than other platforms, as it's quite an outrageous place in general, and people are used to content that definitely doesn't fit in anyone's comfort zone. But these rules don't apply to brands in the same way that they apply to people. People can create and speak much more freely on social without consequence, because they have ownership over the topics that affect them. But for brands, there's always a suspicion that you stand to benefit from your content in some way, which can make content like this seem disingenuous. So for sensitive topics, you can create serious TikToks because they can perform just as well, or just avoid altogether if that's not the vibe you want to go for. I hope that answers your question. Great to hear from you, Channon. Now back to the stories. Best friend. We decided to go on a road trip and try new things. We're gonna catch on real quick. Either that or you'll die. Oh. 
Eve, interesting one here. Brands can now have their own Snapchat profiles. Yeah, brands have always been able to advertise on Snapchat, but now for the first time, brands can have their own profiles on Snapchat. Now, Snap is beta testing this feature at the moment with a group of 30 brands, including Ben & Jerry's, Gucci and Target, which they'll use to fix any bugs or issues before offering it to all businesses. It does hope, though, that that will be available to everyone by the end of this year. Now, the profiles will basically serve as landing pages for select video content. And importantly, videos that sit on brand profiles won't disappear after 24 hours unless the brand wants it to. Now, that could be a game changer for brands that have remained sceptical about Snapchat's value to brands, considering all content disappears after a day. Now, the profiles will also have functions for Snap's branded augmented reality lenses and a virtual in-app storefront, but only for retailers that use Shopify. This update will be familiar to creators as it very much mimics Snapchat's public profiles, which were introduced last year for high-profile creators, influencers, and Snapchat's original shows. Brand profiles basically have the same functions as these public creator profiles, but brands will also be given unique web tools so that marketing teams and social media managers don't have to work within the mobile app and they can track analytics and all of that fun stuff on desktop. Theo, Facebook will challenge YouTube with licensed music videos. Yes, you don't have to be a tech insider to know that the rivalry between Google and Facebook is one of the industry's biggest talking points. Now, in the past, these giants have fought over advertising revenue, long-form video, influencers, and now licensed music videos. That's right, Facebook is preparing to launch music videos in the US from August. Now, it will mean that artist pages can automatically have their music uploaded to the platform upon release, with the deal likely to be the result of a lucrative partnership between the platform and many record labels. Facebook has given artists a deadline of August the 1st to enable the setting which will allow their official music videos to appear on their official pages. But if artists don't enable this, Facebook will automatically create an official music videos page for that artist, complete with new releases and back catalogues. Now, this is a big piece of news because YouTube has long been the undisputed home of music videos online. With Facebook challenging and making licensed music videos available through Watch, YouTube will be interested to see how this affects viewership there. So far, many of the deals that Facebook has signed have been on a usage basis, so this is a completely new direction for the platform. Users who view Swirl ads can interact with the product in the display by rotating it and zooming in on it and stuff like that. Lastly, YouTube launches several immersive advertising formats. That's right. YouTube has brought out several new features that aim to bring products directly to customers to prevent them from having to go into a shop. Now, these include a new ad unit on YouTube's live streams with the ability to run YouTube live stream content in display ads where people can interact with the video and watch a preview. YouTube has also announced a new ad format called Swirl. This is a 3D ad format designed for mobile web and it lets users physically interact with a product through their phone screen. Now, it's no secret that COVID-19 has left brands struggling to make consumers feel connected in a time when they're staying apart. So YouTube's new features have come at the perfect time when advertisers are looking for something different to their same old ad formats. Now, lots of brands are investing in creating 3D assets at the moment to bring their products to life and let their consumers interact with their products just like they would in real life. So, for example, a person could explore the interior and exterior of a car before taking it for a test drive, but without leaving their couch. Now, YouTube's Swell and its new live functions mean that brands can take any of these 3D assets or broadcasts that they have and extend their reach through paid promotion on YouTube. 
Eve, really, really interested to hear about that last story surrounding YouTube. And it's been especially interesting to see how brands have responded to COVID-19 by working with platforms as well. And it really feels like this idea of not just social commerce, but sort of 3D and augmented commerce is going to be massive. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, we've seen it so much with a few different platforms, even Pinterest has been another big one for creating really immersive, inclusive features. And it's definitely happened because of COVID-19. But I think that these are features that will live on long after that, because it's just filling gaps that we actually needed already, but just didn't have the motivation um, for these platforms to create them so quickly. But yeah, these new ad formats from YouTube are really exciting because they've previously been um, like really strong in creating these immersive ads, things like the AR, like makeup try on adverts that you can do. I think there was one for Charlotte Tilbury, a lipstick one that was probably the most famous. So it's just like an expansion of that filling this gap of like, obviously some people won't want to go to shops now. So it's trying to replicate that feeling of touching a product in real life, seeing how big it is compared to other things, seeing it from different angles, that sort of thing. So it's definitely really, really helpful. Yeah, completely. I can see how that would work. And your story, Theo, about Facebook's music videos, I found really interesting. The impact that will have on YouTube should be pretty big. What I don't understand, right, is if the artists don't sign this agreement, It said Facebook will create a page for them. And that makes me think, is every artist just going to have to have Facebook music videos by default? I mean, essentially, yeah, I think that is the case. And that's how the music industry works, doesn't it? I mean, Facebook really have got to deal with the uh, record labels rather than the artists, you know. So obviously record labels are going to see this as an untapped opportunity for you know music promotion and to massively expand their reach so it's yeah, it's interesting yeah. when it comes to these discussions because naturally there will be the mainstream artists will probably be very behind this but then you also get the other side of it which you might get more independent artists who are a bit more precious about having their music plastered <laughs> over social and, and channels without their sort of say so yeah so i was gonna say it's the without the say so that's a bit tricky so what if a record label didn't want that artist music to be on facebook say if they were particularly like conscious about maybe the ad boycott, it's a random example, but if they didn't want their music on Facebook for any reason, would they have that choice? Again, I think it's one of those, I think it's probably based on individual merit between a lot of, you know, record labels. So like, obviously you've got like the big ones, which are like Universal and Sony, and it's likely there'll be blanket licensing deals covering those. But a lot of those also own smaller record labels as well. So it depends on what's sort of covered in this contract and what isn't really and how much wiggle room more independent labels have to choose against that. Yeah, that'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to see how it links with search and discoverability as well, because obviously on YouTube, you hear about a new music video coming out you go and search for it on YouTube. That's like a habit that's so ingrained in us. And I'm not sure like searchability for videos and watches as strong. So that might hinder them in some way. Massively, massively. I mean, to be honest, I'm just surprised it's taken this long to uh, launch such a feature, you know, given everything that's been going on in the the music space with social media. So we will see. Now make sure you keep your eyes peeled and stay tuned for future episodes because we have a really exciting one planned with Isabel Gerard, who is on the Facebook Board of Advisors for Suicide and Self-Harm. As well as that, if you are a regular listener to the podcast please do tell all your friends turn them onto the social minds facebook group where we regularly share new podcast episodes as well as social media stories from the landscape thank you for listening we really hope you enjoyed this episode if you did please remember to leave us a review on itunes because it really really helps and allows us to bring you brand new episodes every single week this has been the social minds podcast with myself theo watts eve young and produced by ollie thompson 